Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bail, bail, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tau I make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy Never think about the drop, never ever ever think about the drop Welcome to it, sports fans. It is the MKT show. Show, show, show. Just watch the game of the season. Chelsea, Man City. Absolutely incredible. Summoning a bit less nasally today, I'd like to think. Got some feedback on the last podcast. Say, so, folks are like, bro, what were you doing in Paris? I said, first of all, it's Paris, actually. You know what I mean? Get some culture if you're going to call me out. Like saying, you sounded a bit nasally there, mate. What, what sort of shenanigans were you getting up to? Say, so, yeah, just relax. <laughs> I've been on holiday for 18 days in a row. You know what I mean? Sending it, as we say, uh, where I'm from. So, feeling better. Uh, came home, hibernated for sort of two, three days. Tomorrow, back at it. You know what I mean? Like, I've had 18 days of holiday. You need to recover from a holiday. So... Two days of hibernation, back at it. Still got to train for a hundred miler, by the way. Like, you know, the world doesn't care. Listen, I, I, I had a great time in in France, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feel sorry for myself. The, the the world doesn't care if you're middle class. You know what I mean? Like, get on with it. No one really cares if you're like if you're a middle class person. Although I say to people, listen. Middle class problems are still problems, you know, like being tired from a holiday, having a having the sniffles after a, a holiday in Paris, Dijon and Lyon. That's it's still a problem. It, it, it's not it's not World War One conflict on the front line. Now, th- that's an existential crisis, you know. For, for the human condition and, and quite literally, you know, to shooting each other. Uh, they'll stop for a football game. It didn't actually stop for a football game. Uh, that, that story's a little embellished. Go read a book. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. Oaks, uh, Oaks in the trenches there. But it's still a problem, you know. Going on holiday, you've got to settle back into a rhythm. These are still middle class problems. And I say to everyone, middle class problems are still problems. Now, people don't like that because say, people say, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, good-looking people, you know, like, good-looking people have certain problems. Like, if you're a good-looking girl, you're just going to get lots of inappropriate attention. Now, uh, we live in a conscious time. I understand. You you can't just go around. It's not 1998, right? It's not 2008, even. I, I think of some of the things I did on great holidays, and, and and you know even in, even some people might say where I live, um, and said that now would go people would go, what? Can't say that. Can't do that. Yeah, hey, fair enough. Society is moving forward, you know. But but those problems don't exist for m- mediocre looking girls and guys, but largely girls because the way our society is shaped, very rarely. Although girls 
are getting more aggressive. Um, I've, you know, I'm not that good looking, but when I travel and there's, I think, a rareness of black guys, I think I become just exotic. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, that's just, that's just rare. It's not special. It's just by, by the very nature of scarcity, like capitalism my stock increases, I think. I think that's what's going on. Because I know when I'm around my friends that are good looking, no, 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 no ladies are coming this way. That's not happening. That's a lie. I don't want to lie. You know? But anyway, my, pro- my point is, uh, you know, I've really gone somewhere else here, is good looking people have, have very different problems to you and I. So listen, some of you listening might be a model. Like uh, what was the, one of the listeners is a male model. I, I bet he has these kinds of problems, right? where people almost expect you to deal with inappropriate attention calmly. Because here's what happens, especially with girls. So what tends to happen with women, women hate other good-looking women. I know I, This I know to be a fact. Hit me up in the DMs, MKT Inspires. I'm not sure how we've got you, but we're here now. It's a sports show. I'll tell you what we're talking about later. But what women will do is if... If a a good-looking woman isn't especially nice, right? She's immediately, insert, insult with a female dog here, you know? Like, immediately. So she's expected to not only deal with men who are trying to do everything from grab her, touch her physically, to get her attention in any way possible... But also, she must be nice to other women so that they can be comfortable with how beautiful she is. And that's only a good-looking girl's problem. And I'm saying girls because, largely speaking, our societies shape that way. Now, as I say, women are getting... Listen, as I say, I've just been on a holiday. Women are getting more aggressive. And I'm more power to it. More power to it. Maybe as I get older, I'm entering a new phase Um Hopefully that's making me, or, or maybe maybe because of the high divorce rate, the standards are coming down. And that's good for me. You know, as a mediocre looking guy, I want good looking guy problems. So my point is middle class problems are still problems. Good looking people problems are still problems. And my problem is I was nasally after a holiday for 18 days in France, brought back the William Webb Ellis to South Africa. No big deal. I don't want to have to say it again. Obviously, a closer captain. And listen, speaking of which, speaking of a closer captain, transitioning to that, this is big time broadcasting. If the Proteus win on Thursday, I've done my Indian e-visa application. I will be going to India on Friday this week. Obviously, whenever you're listening now, it's, it's, it's the Sunday before the World Cup. So the World Cup now, when I'm recording this, the World Cup cricket final is one week away. Okay. I did my visa application online today. If the Proteas get to the final, I will be flying out on the Friday. So two days before the final, I will be leaving South Africa. It's an 18-hour flight um, for me to get there. But I will be going. And the reason I said that was, number one, I want to bring back two World Cup trophies to South Africa in a year. That'll be epic. But you just need the right quotient of Tosas. Because if I wasn't in France, we wouldn't have won the World Cup. And 
And th- that's just a fact. So now with Bavuma, and Bavuma's not a, he's not, he's more of a causer than a closer guy. You know what I mean? He's, he's a Western Cape causer. They're not the real deal. Oh, it's not the real deal. You know, it start, starts to get diluted as soon as you sort of get into the Cape there. But anyway, uh, not the point. He still identifies as, as closer. So if he wins it, I'm going to be unbearable because then it's just Tosa leadership always having to give you democracy in this bloody country, overthrow the apartheid government, and then we got to win you the bloody World Cup twice in a row. Then we got to go break the hoodoo of the choking thing. So if the Proteas do that, I'm already going to be unbearable, by the way, on social media because the box are um, four-time world champions back-to-back. Only Richie McCaw and Sia Kolasai have lifted uh, the trophy twice. I'm already going to be unbearable, I would say, until June 2024 on social media. I- I'm I'm going to get aggressive from this week onwards. By the way, look out for some stuff that I did in France for the World Cup final. Obviously, lead English an- analyst on France 24. No big deal. I'll be putting those clips out across social media this week. Look out for those. If you haven't seen it, I'll put the, the full interview in the description um yeah i'll put the link in the description wherever you listen to your podcast you can just go to the bottom i think it should say i don't know world cup uh rugby world cup final that should be how it's labeled something like that just click on it it'll take you there it's on youtube but this will be incredible if if Bavuma, old Thimber and the Oaks, st david's finest i think you went to four ways four ways high and then st david's Bavuma. He's got his third trimester body as well. You know my thoughts on that. Sportsmen that are out of shape. Unbelievable. Uh, listen, I like being shamed. Shame's important. Eh? Shame's important. Someone shamed me into... I was, I was losing my confidence uh, on holiday. And somebody shamed me into getting, getting, getting back on track. And, and I got back on track and flourished actually for the rest of the holiday. So middle class problems are still problems. If you live in India... Let's say Ahmedabad and um, Mumbai. If you live in those two places and the Proteas make it, I will be in India for a week. Hit me up. Slide in the DMs. Let's see what we can do about having a good time and bring home two trophies. If the Proteas don't win, see Oaks around Joburg. You know what I mean? Probably be in Cape Town. Uh, got some work to do in Cape Town. A little bit uh, later this month in November. Then December as well. So, exciting times coming up. Uh, you know, I've got some incredible stuff that's coming up in the, in the next two months that wasn't in the purview, let's just say, before I left for France a month ago. But um, it is now coming to bear, which is good. I'm looking forward to announcing some of that. I'm looking forward to it. 2024 is going to be a sensational start. Imagine I go to India. What a year. What a way to end the year. And by the way, I might just go from India straight to Tanzania. Mate of mine is like a big time coffee maker. Uh, what kind of life am I living? These are the problems, though, I was telling you about. These are big time problems. Middle class problems are still problems. MKT show. What are we talking about today? Obviously, I'll tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. And then I'll tell you why. I, I, I listened to Eric Tenhag. After his press conference. Uh, they beat Luton obviously. And celebrated like they'd won the treble again. 
um, at home, at at Old Trafford. It was hysterical. But I think there's a bigger problem. I listened to Eric Ten Hag's um, interview before the game. It was really, really revealing and interesting to see where things are. And you know what? Having been a problem for my family and my friends before in life, I I know what's happening with Marcus Rashford. And I want to tell you why Marcus Rashford is the biggest problem Eric Ten Hag has, what I think they should do, and ultimately what I know they will do. Um, at Manchester United and why he's Eric Ten Hag's biggest problem. So we'll talk about that um, and right wrong is where we'll start off. Okay, I just want to tell you a little bit about uh, Paris. So I've been thinking about it. Obviously, been home for three days. Middle class problems, still problems. You know, a little nasally. Had to rest up. Went to Woolies. Got my fruit. You know, nice to be back in South Africa where you can just, you can buy high quality fruit as the, as the base standard. France, terrible fruit. I was like, geez, like, flipping out. Lots of, lots of South African fruit over there. Terrible. Oh, the food's terrible. I've got to tell you. Overrated. I, I, I went to some hoity-toity spots and I'm like, geez, I wouldn't serve this at Spur. But anyway, whatever. Paris, incredible city. Listen, incredible city. Uh, I, I'll do... A Paris thing. I haven't really got any feedback whether I should do the vlog or not. I'm guessing that the travel vlog thing, that's a no. People don't want to hear about that. That's fine. We'll move on from that. I won't do it. I'm going to, whatever, you know. Uh, that episode, last episode, had 1,400 listeners and nobody got back to me. I'm presuming nobody wants to hear about my time in France. Great. We'll move on. Whatever. But I did want to say one thing I've decompressed about over two days, feeling nasally at home, high quality fruit, lots of, lots of juice, lots of juice. That's what I've been drinking. Juice, water, but sunshine, good to have that. But I'll tell you what was amazing about Paris, hey. Um, like South Africa, Mzansi. Mzansi Africa can be quite a tough country to live in, you know, um, because I'm I'm not one for being resilient for resilience sake. Like that wears human beings down, right? We're, we're, like if you're in a relationship and you constantly feel like you're holding your partner up and you're sort of carrying an egg, you know, like constantly, oh, don't drop this egg instead of having like a partner. So I always say to people, a lot of people ask me, like, why aren't you in a relationship? Blah, blah, blah. I say, look, I'm, I'm open to being in a relationship. I, I, I love relationships. But my thing is, I'm looking for a partner, not somebody to look after. You know, like, I'm not raising someone else's child. Like, go away with that. You, you know what I mean? Because if somebody in a relationship has to be more resilient than the other relationship, it's, it becomes what the youth call toxic, you know? And South Africans often have to sort of to rile themselves up and make things okay often have to say, yo, we're so resilient. South Africans can get on with anything. I'll be honest with you, one nice thing about being in Paris, and sometimes you forget when you leave the first world, you know? Like, I think I'd still struggle to leave South Africa. For work, I would. Um, but just coming home, there's a few little things that are better here. It, it just is. But anyway, no one wants to hear the travel vlog. I haven't got any feedback. So, in the first world, it is it is a lot easier to just think about what you want to do, you know? You're not, like, always at a 7 out of 10 worried about something. Like, I've been back a couple of days, like, oh, yeah, flipping load shedding. I forgot, you know? I just sat through two hours of load shedding. Like, yes, we can solar power it or whatever, but, like, I rent, 
what do I do? Solar power, I play some renting. Is that, is that what's happening? Anywho, so sometimes you forget that you can just live your life to develop. And it is nice to live and flourish, you know? Just like think about flourishing and not worry about fundamentals. Now, some might say, I live in the northern suburbs of Joburg. I do that anyway. But there is still like a buzz of like a, you're always worried at a six out of 10, you know? Whereas like in Paris, I was walking, like I remember the one night I walked home at like two in the morning. No problem. I was walking with somebody I met there. We were walking at four in the morning. No problem. Like, no, no, not, not even thinking about it. Just we were in our world, you know? Uh, I'm not saying people don't get pickpocketed there. It's it's a big thing. I'm a moonbag guy now. Anyway, story for another time. If I do, if I do the travel vlog, I'll tell you more about my moonbag. But it was amazing to just be in a place where I could just focus on enjoying myself, which was, which was incredible without having to look over my shoulder. But that's not the best part. I thought... You know, the whole thing of having to be resilient the whole time as South Africans, it, it wears down. I'm sure if you're in a relationship where you're constantly having to be resilient for your partner, that can weigh you down, you know you know what I mean? And one of the things that was just great was just to see South Africans happy. Like for, for a week, you know, because I got there for the semi-final, obviously we won, went out that night, um then it was just a week of like any South African you saw, you could just fist bump, hey, where you from? Yeah, I'm living in, I don't know, I'm in London, most of them, you know, met a couple of Oaks living in Ireland or, or, or whatever, America, met a few people. But just to see South Africans like happy, you know, no one, no one was talking about stuff that that we are living with constantly here and the great, the, the, the sort of the undercurrent fear that's always going on in South Africa. It was amazing to just see South Africans just stoked together. And then after the final, it was just unplayable. There was, there was about an hour and a half. And because I don't drink, it's quite nice, you know. I can take it all in and remember all of it. It was absolutely incredible to be in that South African bubble I would say for about three hours at the stadium because after I did the show, obviously an expert on France 24, if you haven't seen my the, the video, it's, uh, it's in the link. It's in the description of the podcast, wherever you get the podcast. It was unbelievable. I cannot tell you if I've ever experienced something like that as a South African. And I was at the World Cup 95, by the way. I was at the World Cup 95 final. I was a little bit young. But to experience what I experienced for three hours, oh, they had Chad Leclerc in there, that bloody A.B. Villiers in the mix there, Oaks are in the mix with the rest of us, just jamming. You know, there was a there was sort of a fan park outside the stadium. If you if you went to the World Cup, you'll know the KFC where they set up. We were there, and then we went to a place called O'Sullivan's afterwards after the final. One of the greatest nights of my life. I'll be I'll be completely honest with you. But it was just incredible to be around South Africans where every single interaction was just like love and happiness. You know, no identity politics. Just for three hours, we were just trapped in that. Whether real world or not, you know, it's kind of like watching a series. It's escapism. And I've always told people the only time I've ever felt like that is ski resorts. Ski resorts, the world's rules don't exist. So if you are starting to make a bit of money, um, and listen, it's European winter now, you're heading into it, you may be thinking, hey, listen, maybe you just broke up with that bastard Richard, you know, bloody bastard. I always knew he was going to get with Melissa, and I knew, I knew, I should have trusted my gut, says a lady listening to this. If, you, if you're making a bit of cash right now, 
and you've got it and you've never been to a ski resort go to especially if you're single i'm not going to say why because obviously i'm a professional broadcaster if you're single man or woman go to a ski resort in december spoil yourself the world's rules don't exist there don't go to live in your it's like going to south africa again go anywhere else go to bulgaria go to there's lots of other nice resorts in italy if you've got the cash go to a ski resort that's what i felt like it reminded me of being at a ski resort which is the Second best days of my life. Nothing's playing football. I'll always tell people, playing football at a high level is the best thing ever. Nothing's better than that. Not spending time with my family, not my friends. Playing football at the highest level is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Okay, boom. Second level, being at a ski resort. When a, when a ski resort, a proper ski resort, when it's humming, it's unreal. It's a movie. But that's what happened in Paris when the Springboks won their fourth World Cup. It was absolutely incredible. So just thought I'd give that feedback on Paris and, and what it was like as a South African. Paris as a city is incredible. You know, uh, my sister and, uh, and and people, as they met me, would say, is it your first time here? I said, no, 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 I've been here plenty. It's my first time here sober. <laughs> you know, last time I went there, it was all, um, most of my life happened at night in, in Paris. But getting to see that city is, listen, lots of, lots of great lessons I, I would say as an individual, were taken from how the French, particularly the Parisians, um, treat themselves. You know, they take themselves very, very seriously. And I've always said in life, I haven't always said it. I've said in the last seven years of my life, it's not my mom and, mom and dad and my sister's job to take me seriously. You know, because I was a victim in my 20s. It's nobody's job in life to take you seriously. It's your job to take yourself seriously so that they can take you seriously. Because you know who people take seriously. Serious people. You're always a serious person. And being serious doesn't mean being grumpy. Like my baseline for serious is, is this person reliable? And I'm talking across the board. You know, people always say adulting. Like none of us are perfect, man. We're always making mistakes. And like everyone, everyone on social media is perfect. But in real life, people are reasonable. They don't want perfect. In fact, perfect, more and more as we become more educated about PR and, and spin and blah, 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 doesn't sell, right? What people want is consistency because people are reasonable. They know, like, no one's perfect. Life's hard. It's being, being human is challenging. Can you just be consistent? And consistent people, to me, are serious people. I'm not saying you can't be fun. Like, you know, people are fun, but can I rely on you? You know, my, my, my girlfriend's, sorry, my, my girlfriend, listen, listen to me, <laughs> excuse me, I should edit that out, but it, it'll be a nice comedy moment for anyone listening, my girlfriend, <laughs> me and a girlfriend, imagine, um, my, my sister's boyfriend's grandmother said to me about her, uh, about this guy, right, um, who is my sister's boyfriend, it's a bit confusing, anyway, so my sister's boyfriend's grandmother said about him, is that He's a reliable person. And I thought, bloody hell, you know, I wish somebody would say that about me. Like, that's how I want to be described. Like, what kind of person is this? They're reliable. Her words were, he's a reliable person. And I thought, oh. and, and you know what? She wasn't saying it as a grandmother. She was saying it as a human being. She's like, that's somebody I can rely on. And I thought, oh, and he really, he's a high level guy. He is a high level guy in so many aspects of life, not just being human. He's a high-level dude across the board, especially now having, having gotten to know him a little bit better, having met him before. 
but now we really spent a lot of time together. I loved that description from Granny about her grandson. And I thought, that's what we're talking about. That's a high-level person. When people say they are a reliable person. I love that. I absolutely loved that. And that's your job, by the way. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm saying my life changed from dickhead to just, just take yourself seriously. It's unbelievable how now people take me seriously. And I'm talking about people close to me. Because I can feel it, right? People love you. But you know in your own family, right? You know. Like you can love all 10 of your cousins and all three of your brothers and sisters. And, but in reality, there's two of them where if the brown stuff hits the fan, you know who you're going to. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to say it. And we all have to say, oh, I love my brother and sister the same and they're all great. But really, uh, they're not all great. Some of them are great. Some of them are good. And some of them are yeah, like... They're nice for family reunions, but when you're organizing a family funeral, that, like you push everyone aside and it's, it's you and your three cousins, right? Like you're the guys, you're the girls that are organizing it. So it's what I learned from Paris is they take themselves seriously. At many European cities, I would say, they take themselves seriously. It's not anybody's job in life to take you seriously if you don't take yourself seriously so i appreciated that it was amazing to be there and i just thought i'd give that just lacquer to see saffers happy man although it was you know sport is escapism so real or not it was flipping fantastic and in a cheesy way it was everyone black white female male and you know saw these black ladies saw a closer lady she says oh I'm like, oh, yes, I'll give you my number. I mean, don't phone me because I'm not looking for a relationship because she was thirsty out here. As I said, ladies are getting more aggressive, but she was unbelievable. She was full on closer, living in London, and we were just in there. She got in the group. Guys are jamming. It was sensational. Paris, shout out. Merci beaucoup, as they say. Merci beaucoup. So as I said earlier, if the protest win, I'm going to... Ahmedabad this week. So look out. Australia. We, we can beat Australia. We've got Australia in the semi-final. I think we're in their heads. I think we're going to beat them. I think we've got two good spinners. They don't. They've got one mediocre young spinner. And Glenn Maxwell, you're not doing that against Gage, you're a You know what I mean? Plus, we can catch. Plus, we've got, what, three oaks in the middle order. And they're not India. I think we're going to beat Australia, and I'm going to India. It's going to happen. And I'm there for a week, by the way. Ahmedabad, see you on Saturday morning. It's going to be incredible. Come on the Proteus. Proteus Fire or whatever. Do they have a new one? I think it's Proteus Fire, huh? I don't know. Whatever. Bavuma, do the right thing. If Bavuma, if Bavuma leads this team, good old Thimba. If Ubavuma leads this team, right, to the World Cup, I will, because I've always said, Bavuma is not a representation of us. Like, please don't see him as the, he's the exception to the rule, as a causer. So we don't really accept him in the mix. He's not, you know what I mean? We've got a bit of a, or a Tambu thing going, we've got a bit of a Madiba thing going, a bit of a Sia thing going, you know what I mean? We don't really, you know, we've got a bit of a Mapimpi thing, Lukanyo Am, you know what I mean? These are, these are our oaks. Bavuma's Cape Town, 
cause it. You know what I mean? But if he wins this, welcome back into the fold, my man. Welcome back into the fold. Hopefully see him on Sunday. Remember, MKT inspires on social media. Otherwise, MKT at the MKT show. If you would like your questions read out on the show, on the mailbag. Um, I will be doing, I've, I've gotten a similar request from a few people about the Springboks. What do I think about the next World Cup? Um, what do I think of us turning over the, the the playing staff? Do I think this team's too old? Um, by the way, go and watch that France 24 interview because I do give a lot of those opinions, but I will do a podcast on that. I will also do, and one that's been coming in a lot, VAR. So what I'm thinking is I'll do a Springbok 2027 look forward um, podcast on its own. And then I will do a VAR podcast on its own because I've got so many thoughts on VAR and the cu- the current mess of what's happening with them releasing audio. And then so I'll I'll do those separately. All right, let's get into the show for today. We're only half an hour in. And if you've stayed this long. I, I, what do I do? What do I do? Okay, so what I do every single um, Monday on the Monday show is I do something called where I was right, where I was wrong, where MKT was right or MKT was wrong. I make big calls, you know, throughout the season, throughout the year, previously, and then because again I'm the best person I know, you got to face up to it. You got to look it in the eye and say I was right, I was wrong. Most people don't do that, but because I'm I don't want to say the second coming of Christ because I would never say that. That's blasphemous and offensive to people of the cloth. But if people are saying that, I go, you know what? I'm the people's champ. I'll take people's champ. You know what I mean? Jesus, too strong, blasphemous. I'm not that guy. I don't want to, I don't want to go around offending people. I'm a, I'm a reserved person. All right, where MKT was right where MKT was wrong. Let's get underway. Uh, let's start off with where I was right. The Raphael Varane signing is a disaster. Firstly, I don't know why he's fighting with the manager now. Now, when you're you're a leader, keep that in-house. You can't sulk on the side of the field. I absolutely hated, absolutely hated what I saw against Copenhagen when they lost. But he's not only is he super injury-prone, now he's becoming an irritation to a guy who's trying to rebuild the culture. Even if you're unhappy, right? Keep that in-house, especially as a leader, especially as one of the guys Ten Hag would want to be at the front of the revolution, right? As he turns over your Sancho's and McTominay's, he doesn't need one of the guys, one of the highest paid, high profile guys turning on him in public. Hated what he did at Copenhagen, but I saw this coming. He's finished, right? And the problem with old dogs is they don't know when their time's over. He's finished, he's frustrated, and he finds it crazy that Lindelof uh, is starting ahead of him, and so is Maguire. I was right. Varane signing is a terrible buy. Always injured. Now fighting with the manager. Incredible. And showing up the manager in public. Uh, Ridiculous. I was right. Where I was wrong, Everton are good. They've won three out of five under Sean Dyche. I thought they were going to get relegated, guaranteed. Now, there's still the 12-point uh, deduction hanging over them. Let's see how that plays out. But even if they even if they were to get 12 points deducted, I think they could still get to 40 points. I think they were going to get 60 points anyway the way they're playing. They've been absolutely unplayable. Three in five. They've won three of the last five. And they're playing good football. They're looking super solid. I was dead wrong. Sean Dyke not getting relegated. Great beard now, by the way. Walahi. Um, where I was right, 
fire Eddie Howe at the end of last season. Two losses in the Champions League to Dortmund. They're done there now. Now they've gone and lost to Bournemouth, innit? Now they've got Trippier bloody fighting with the fans. Hated that as well from Trippier. But the, the reason why Trippier would go and do that is that the manager's not demanding enough. You're not doing that as Alex Ferguson. Erling Haaland isn't making those excuses to the fans about injuries. So we're not good enough. Wear it. We want to win. But what it showed me was Eddie Howe hasn't set the standard high enough. If, if the captain is saying we've got injuries, get out of here. Get out of here. What is Trippier doing? Absolutely revolting behavior. But fire Eddie Howe last year. Not because he's a bad guy. Because he's got you to where he can get you. You know his limitations. He got Bournemouth relegated. What are you doing as Newcastle? What are you waiting for? Just move on from the guy. Nagelsmann was available now. You should have gotten for Nagelsmann after the season. We're in the Champions League. Great. We need a Champions League manager. It's a disaster now. They might not make the Champions League next year. I was dead right. Should have fired Eddie Howe. And, and now they're out the Champions League and may not make it next year. Where I was wrong, Liverpool are title contenders. They are humming right now. They are absolutely humming right now. Undefeated in five. The last five games, they are undefeated. Oh, boy, oh boy, that front three is clicking. Gakpo looks good as well. Diego Jota's back. And Mo Salah, if you, ha- if you haven't seen it, the finish against Brentford, his first one. He's so clinical. What a finish. What a team. Jürgen's got him humming. I was wrong. Liverpool are not just top four. They are title contenders. Massive game coming up. Man City, Liverpool in a little bit. Where I was right, I've always said James Madison can't be big time. What he is is big time Charlie. And when he came earlier to Spurs, you know what I said? I said he's always injured, right? And he thinks he's better than he is. So the problem is when you've got that personality and you're injury prone, it puts pressure on everyone because now everyone has to defend Madison, right? It's like, it's hard enough to be a good, good football team. Now we've got to deal with this guy, Mr. Big Time Charlie. He's third, fourth tier, right? He's not good enough to be running Spurs. You, you went from Harry Kane to this guy. One of Harry Kane's greatest things is what? Availability. Availability is the greatest ability. Madison's injured now again, and they've fallen off a cliff. It's two losses, two big losses in a row. Uh, Madison can't be your guy. You, you can't build around him because he's never available. Uh, the injuries are too much. And he's not good enough. Kevin De Bruyne gets injured like that. It's okay because I know the production I'm going to get 70% of the season. But he's never available. Madison, I was right. He's not the guy to build around if you want to win. And if you're Spurs, but it's a Spurs thing to do. Where I was wrong, Raheem Sterling has been Chelsea's player of the season. I, I was over Sterling, but he, he's been Chelsea's player of the season. He is absolutely incredible. If you watch the Man City game, he was on fire. Can he hit those levels more often? Some might say the team's not good enough, but Raheem Sterling this season has been Chelsea's player of the season. I was dead wrong. I thought that was a mistake, but he has been obsessed. I read an interview with him saying everything off season was just about getting obsessed with football again. But he has been obsessed with driving this team forward. Uh, Kyle Walker's a handful, and I thought he had him on toast. Raheem Sterling, sensational against Man City, and has been sensational this season. That is where I was right. That is where I was wrong. Love to hear what you've got to say. MKT inspires on the socials. Otherwise, MKT at the MKT show. Uh, Let me know your thoughts. What do you think about that? That is where I was right. That is where... I was wrong. Please do take a second to rate the show. Uh, Give us a rating, five-star rating, and do leave a comment. 
do leave a comment do you maybe you're like bro middle class problems aren't real problems get some perspective what about people in papua new guinea or whatever you know i say what about them and then people go you can't just live in your own world check your privilege that, that that's <laughs> that's the social justice warrior gospel check your privilege all right all right let's not uh not you to bash people not you to bash people i've just had a great holiday got a bit of the sniffles but we we back at it you know had to recover from my holiday three-day recovery from my holiday okay let's get into and let's finish off on this um i think man united have a problem here i think ten Hag has a rashford problem i, I really think he's got a rashford problem um Eric Tenhag says he's not happy with Rashford's form and Rashford is unhappy with his own form. This is what uh, Eric Tenhag said in his press conference. Um, here's what I know because I've been this guy. If your mate always has to explain to his wife whenever he's out with you, right? You're the problem. Like if your mate's always having to cover, no, he's a good guy. She he drinks too much. He's so aggressive. Like if you're the guy where people's girlfriends are saying that about you, right? Then you're the problem. Your, your mates aren't the problem. Like, you're the problem. You need to go and sit in the corner and maybe think a little bit about yourself. Because Marcus Rashford is becoming that guy for Manchester United and for Eric Tenner. He's now becoming a problem for Eric Tenner and for Manchester United. He's playing badly. He's blaming United Stand. If you don't follow United Stands, Mark Goldbridge, I think he's the best in terms of the content uh, in and around fan content for criticism. And he's making the manager explain his performance every week. And then now he's nightclub guy. What are we doing? What are we doing? The problem with Marcus Rashford for Man United, and particularly for Eric Ten Hag, is that he's the marquee guy. And by that I mean he's the pinup guy, and he's the highest paid. By the way, there is a language in the corporate world. It's called compensation. When corporates compensate you the most, they won't tell you, but they expect the most from you. Man United paid him for commercial appeal. You cannot tell me Marcus Rashford is being paid for football performance. Because Man United have been terrible for 10 years, and he's been mediocre for five. So he got paid for commercial appeal. But now he's turning people off the pitch. Off him. Listen, Rashford's been awful. I'm sorry, by Manchester United standards, Marcus Rashford has been awful for 18 months. Do not let that performance against Paris Saint-Germain three seasons ago in the Champions League fool you. Marcus Rashford's been awful for 18 months. This is Manchester United. It's not QPR, my man. So it's fine. Like, it was fine because he was feeding the kids. But now he's nightclub guy. And he's still playing badly. Okay, how do we PR spin now? Because fans aren't stupid. Fans aren't stupid. But here's the problem. Ten Hag's trapped. Because he already kicked Sancho out. He's now got Varane trying to be the mandate. You can't kick Rashford out as well. The club just won't allow it. Your two highest paid players are already now kicking up a fuss. Sancho's out. Varane's the third best paid player. And now you, you've, got a, you've got this 
massive, massive problem. They've put the crown on top of the head of a guy who should be a peasant, and he, he, he's just not the king. So Tenard's trapped, because they're also losing. Listen, in business and in sport, you win when your best people are your highest character people as well. Because really, all successful businesses, all successful sport teams are player-run, right? Are management-run. When the CEO and the COO constantly have to come down to middle management level and worry about operational stuff, everyday stuff, your business is in trouble. If Eric Ten Hag is constantly having to handle Harry Maguire and Varane and Jaden Sancho and Scott McTominay whinging, whoever's doing all the leaks. If he's constantly having to do that, you're finished. There's a great interview by Roy Keane at the end when Alex Ferguson said to him, you're trying to run the dressing room. And, and Roy Keane said, bloody right I am. He said, I have to run the dressing room because you have to coach the team. And that's when they fell apart, blah, blah, blah. But all great winning teams, the dressing room runs themselves. Here's the problem. You can lie to fans. You can do the he's feeding kids stuff for the fans. They, they, they'll love him, whatever. And, and for PR and the media. You can't lie to players. Because the one thing the manager has to be able to do is hold Varane, Maguire, Bruno and McTominay accountable. But you can't when Marcus Rash is playing terribly. You're not dropping him. And now he's nightclub guy. You give him one week's punishment and you bring him straight back in. How do you go to Scott McTominay, who's been squeaky clean, and say to him, no, 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 I want high character. He says, yes, but I am high character. So are you moving the bar for that guy? Because that's when it starts to erode, right? And that's why you want Erling Haaland. He's the dream. That's why you want Bernardo Silva. Those guys are the dream. Because then you can bring Jack Grealish in, who's getting hammered every Saturday, and really, he's just icing on the cake. The cake's already fine. You're just putting icing on it. Ruben Diaz, you're never hearing anything from Man City players. And as soon as you hear anything about a Man City player, Jacques Cancelo, what happens? Out. The culture, the dressing room culture spits him out. It's not even about Pep Guardiola. The dressing room leaders will spit you out. It used to happen in Manchester United all the time. Now your highest paid player is nightclub guy. Now your highest paid player is talking about YouTube fan channels. What are we doing, Marcus? Because now we're like, why are you talking about that? So it means he's watching United stand. And this, this is what this opens up to. And now the manager's having to answer questions about Marcus Rashford's mental health. What are we doing? Marcus Rashford needs to be the guy defending the manager because he's not playing well. So now what you need to do, Marcus, is bring the noise down off the field. Because he's not good enough to be a Man United player. Like, people need to let this Rashford thing go. Because I get it. The nicer people are, the more we want to give them a chance. But he's not. He's nowhere near. Listen, I watched Wayne Rooney, Carlos Tevez, Cristiano Ronaldo, Jaap Stamp. I know what a Man United player is. And I know people are so desperate at Man United. And they'll throw the figures, how many goals he scored. Give me a break. Get out of here. Marcus Rashford is nowhere near a Manchester United number 10, especially. What are we doing? What are we doing? But we could have lived with it when the PR was great. He's put Ten Hag in a horrible position, man. 
because now he just can't hold anybody accountable. Here's what I'd do. I would sell Marcus Rashford while he's still got market value. Because here's the truth, right? You can be mediocre without Rashford. You don't need Marcus Rashford as Man United to be mediocre. Because right now, you are mediocre. And he's not even really contributing to how mediocre you are now. So you could be mediocre without him and be 100 million pounds richer. Because there's some idiots who will pay for his commercial appeal. He's worth it, right, to businesses purely because he's feeding the kids and, you know, he's in the establishment now and they've, I don't know what they gave him. Is it an OBE or whatever it was? So you must remember that matters. That matters. The commercial side is a big part of why Marcus Rashford, this, he's not overpaid because he's such a big commercial asset with Nike and the British Crown, right? So they love him. They love a bit of Marcus Rashford in the United Kingdom because you can sell him to the world. This is the height of humanity. Eric Tanag says, I'm going to get fired. Doesn't matter how many kids you feed. I care. I have a job. I'd like to keep making seven million pounds a year or whatever he's getting paid. And a top five global job. Everybody wants to man- manage Manchester United. Sell him. Because he hasn't been he hasn't been good enough ever. Marcus Rashford has not developed as a player. All he does is cut inside and shoot. He's one of the most self he's more selfish than Mo Salah, right? And doesn't give you half the production. And doesn't track back. What are we getting with this guy? What we're starting to realize is I think Marcus Rashford, and, and listen, make no mistake, he's got a massive ego just because of his PR team. I know footballers. Listen, competent people have to have a level of self-belief. But his problem is he's got Cristiano Ronaldo's ego and Marcus Rashford's ability, which is not very good. It's like Everton. Sell him. You could be rubbish without him. And don't give me the, what about the United kids? Like, whatever, man. Let's go find some other kids. Like, Marcus Rashford's not good enough. And don't tell me about the eradication of the culture. I tell Man United fans this all the time. The only time Man United have been dominant in the last 50 years is Alex Ferguson. It wasn't the United way. It was the Ferguson way. Get over yourself. That's finished. Move on. You, you, you interrupted the footballing landscape for 27 years. It's over. It was the United way. Give me a break. It was the Alex Ferguson way. He's gone now. It's 2023. Get over playing your kids. You know what you should have done? Invested in, in your academy like Chelsea did under Abramovich 20 years ago. Now you see uh, that the Chelsea kids are coming through at the highest level. You're not that anymore. Get over it. You're a global juggernaut. Go and buy six world-class players. Get rid of Marcus Rashford. Get rid of Sancho. Get rid of Varane. Get rid of McTominay. And get serious. But I'll tell you what's going to happen. Because people don't change. The Glazers won't change. They had the opportunity to pick the manager over the player. Jose Mourinho told him that Paul Pogba was cancerous as a player, as a, as a human being inside that dressing room. What happened? They fired Jose. Player power won out. Remember that? It's going to happen again. Eric Ten Hag isn't going to last this season because Marcus Rashford is going to kick up a fuss because he's going to drop him. Eric Ten Hag has shown. And Veron is going to kick up a stink. A stink. Maguire is going to kick up a stink when he gets dropped again. 
It's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen as Man United fans. And they're going to pick the player. And they're going to make the same mistake again. And they're going to go get, I don't know who. I don't know who would want this Man United job currently. I mean, it, it is an incredible job to have. It's Manchester United. But maybe I'm thinking about the, the Fergie United. I don't know how nice of a job this is now. It's not a very modern club. The way it's been run now is crazy. Listen, it's been a decade of mediocrity now. Rashford as a player hasn't developed in five years. What more do you want to see in the footballing sense to realize that he's just another guy? Honestly, if Marcus Rashford, he doesn't get in the Aston Villa team, right? He might get in the Brighton team. Although some people might say Matoma. Mm, I don't know. Matoma's been proper for 18 months. You tell me, MKT inspires. Who would you pick? All right, let me make it easy for you. Matoma or Rashford? Because Brighton are like the 10th, 11th best team in England. So if you say Matoma, Marcus Rashford's not getting in the 11th best team. And if you say Marcus Rashford over Matoma, I'd love to hear your reasoning. Give me the stats. Give me give me his style of play. What does he give you tactically? Because Marcus Rashford gets a nosebleed if he has to see his own half, by the way. His decision-making for a player who's about to turn 26 is insanely bad. Wow. Now he's red card guy as well. See? See, this is what happens now. Now we start nitpicking because you're not Mr. Feed the Kids anymore. You're at nightclubs now. It's been a decade of mediocrity, guys. You've seen Marcus Rashford for five years, not develop, be the cut inside and shoot guy. What more do Man United fans want to see? But they're not going to sell him. They're going to sack the coach. Ten Hag will lose his job. United will pick Rashford. And you'll get back on the hamster wheel again. It's madness. But that's what's going to happen. Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United have a Marcus Rashford problem. Love to hear your thoughts. Is Marcus Rashford the biggest problem at Manchester United? Is Eric Ten Hag the biggest problem at Manchester United? Have they given him the money to spend and he spent it badly? In your opinion, who is the biggest problem and what is the biggest problem at Manchester United? Slide in the DMs at MKT Inspires. Otherwise, MKT at the MKT Show. Would love to hear your thoughts. We're back at it tomorrow. Feeling good to be back. Got to tell you, being back in South Africa, yes. Sunshine, huh? Sunshine's lacquer. Just to hear a few different languages as well. Miss these little things. Nice to be back in Mzansi. Listen, if you live in Ahmedabad or Mumbai, because I, I got faith in the poison, you know, old Themba and the gas. I'll see you in a week. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the MKT Show. My name is MKT, and for now, I am the hell out of here.